This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufal and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal, uh, joined, as always, by Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how are you? Uh, so, we're going we're gonna to go out on a limb today, I think, and talk a little bit about... Uh, 2022, pontificate, if you will. What's that? <laughs> pontificate, if you we will. We are going to pontificate. <laughs> uh, you know, what do, what do we think are, what's going to happen in 2022? I think we we did the easy job of talking about, you know, what 2021 looked like. Um, you know, what do we expect to be those big, sort of the big ticket items in 2022? Um, certainly, we've seen some vulnerabilities now that might bring to light uh, increased attacks or exposure on some cloud infrastructure. Um, I, I mean, I think we expect to see more of that probably going forward. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, you know, the most recent one is Log4J, right? And I'm sure even the common folk have heard about it by now. Right. And, and I'm sure it's not gone by the time this airs, right? Yeah. No, absolutely it, not. So I, I think a lot more of that is going to be prevalent next year. Um, this really affected a lot of providers, a lot of them. Um Again, a simple attack that could be done by anybody. Um, this was really like an ingestion type thing, parsing, right? I, I remember sitting around in a room in, in a previous life, and uh, there was quite a few security uh, top minds, if you will. And this was exactly what one of them talked about. Like, this is going to be the, the end all of security if we can't get this right. And he was talking mostly about processing basic strings, right? And here we are. This has affected almost the entire industry, and I don't think this is going away. Anything that's a parser is in itself, exactly. It, and you know, a CPU in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Log4j is a really good example of something that is a hidden vulnerability. These are tools, and for those who aren't familiar, Log4j is explicitly for crafting log messages, literally to say, "Hey, Joe did a thing with the application," but it's a very clever tool. It's a little too clever for its own good. And the trouble is it was embedded in in everything. We think that the next 12 months will have vulnerabilities targeting that type of pervasive component in a way that causes pain for the broader ecosystem of tools that organizations use. They may not have themselves, but they leverage other services. Right. Yeah, I mean, if if you really pull back the covers of how a lot of cloud services work, a lot of times they're, I don't want to say cobbled together. It's, it's really the wrong word for it. But they put a lot of different uh, software components together to make that happen, right? So you, you may be interacting with it as a website, as uh, a device that does something with a cloud service that you use, like your, your camera at home, right? Or your Roku streaming. Right. But at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of infrastructure that runs that in the background. It may have access to certain things or certain subsets of that. And a small vulnerability like Log4J ends up being a huge issue for the entire infrastructure of it. Right. I mean, to give you a sense of what we're thinking about, uh, Apache and IIS, th those are the world's biggest web servers. There are others, certainly, um, Nginx, you know, similar but the point is that those are the most pervasive. If there is a component which ships with either of them by default, and it's something that can be subverted, that means that effectively 90% of the internet immediately is vulnerable to that type of attack. Right. And large organizations that are finding vulnerabilities 
that are seeking to find things that are the largest impact capable are effectively spending their most uh, their most substantial effort on tools of that variety. I mean, th- this is a truism. This is not new necessarily, but the focus has shifted toward those things which are most broadly accessible to the rest of the world. Yeah, you, I mean, you've said it before. Attack efficiency seems to be the uh, the key here for the next year. Right. And effectively, I think Jason said a moment ago, ROI in a previous episode, mm-hmm. that, that that's the thought process of an attacker too. Um, anything that allows the minimum effort with the largest payout. Right. Right. And and I think it also shows, you know, just moving your uh, you know, infrastructure to the cloud doesn't necessarily mean it's just secure. And I think there's always that sort of, you know, mistaken idea that, hey, we're safe. We're, we're shifting risk somewhere else. But the fact is, you've still got your data there. You've still got risk as a result of it. And we need to pay attention to that. The, the last two years has seen a huge sea change toward collaboration tools and facilities to support, uh, you know, working from home. Those facilities now are the most ripe from a cloud service perspective, in my opinion, to be undermined. That might mean, you know, redirection of uh, applications that you trust to achieve harm. That might mean something that enables theft of large identities, uh, you know, in in en masse. Uh, if I were to go on a limb, that's where I would say that I see the next step to be. But you know, time will tell. Yeah, it, it's it doesn't seem like it's a new area, right? I mean, the the cloud, quote unquote, has been around for a long time at this point in the years. Uh, but I, I believe it was on CNBC. I, I had heard a uh, an analyst talking about how most enterprises, eighty four percent of their workloads are still local, right? I wouldn't have crazy, thought it was that much, right? I I mean I don't know how true that that number is, but I, just thinking about that, there's probably people are still looking to shift out there, and it's just becoming more ubiquitous at this point. So yeah, it just makes sense for attackers to be focusing on that. Um, you, you also have new technologies being deployed to make that easier. Right. So 5G now is becoming uh, actually production ready. Right. Uh, there's there's been years of that in development um, that completely changes the whole landscape of how people interact with services. Um, small devices can use it now. Right. Um, you're seeing it in consumer devices that you can go and buy it. And, I mean, Steve and I were talking about this the other day. It doesn't there's not really a lot of the bar isn't very high to actually deploy your own 5G infrastructure if you really wanted to. Yeah, I think I think you said you could stand infrastructure up, you know, 10 grand, 12 grand, right? Yeah, it, it's absolutely possible. Yeah. And part, part of that is because of 5G's architecture. Um, previous incarnations were far more hub-and-spoke oriented. 5G fundamentally pushes that much closer to the users of the actual devices. And that's part of the opportunity from an attacker standpoint that 5G presents. Um locality oriented i suppose is one way of looking at it right yeah this was something that uh, uh cisa which i can't remember the, the acronym for it's a government organization cyber infrastructure security something right um yeah they, they had actually uh identified this as something that they're actually extremely concerned about which i found interesting um they're probably looking at it more on the um nation state type of attack level um and that's what you'd be looking at you know, if, I'm not sure that you'd go. Don't go running home and say, "Hey, Verizon's going to be attacked." <laughs> Turn tomorrow. off my iPhone, right? Right, but, uh, but what it actually yeah. means is more. <laughs> you know, devices that have baseband chips in them, like exactly. cars, yep. like trucks for long haul trucking, uh, logistics networks, 
uh, elements of technology that are hidden out of view, not necessarily in your pocket like a phone, but devices that require that connectivity in order to function. Yeah, it, and especially with the how manufacturing has been affected these past two years now, and what's looking like it's going to be a third year, um, you're going to get things like fraudulent hardware. Um, right. Places are going to go and look for other ways to get that stuff into into our borders, right? So it's very possible that you'll get compromised hardware that can utilize things like 5G to have a serious effect on infrastructure, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point, right? There's a huge amount of consumer demand for these products, and, it, and it's been increasingly challenging to get them. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a real possibility for sure. Yeah, that, that's something I'm interested in following to see where that goes. The, you know, so we... we chatted here about sort of two specific vulnerability types. I think one of the, you know, one of the challenges that was, that we are concerned about, and I think that we're seeing as we talk to you know, people in the field is, you know, sort of vendor consolidation, uh, or maybe, you know, maybe even slightly outside of that is lack of qualified, uh, people with security skills, legitimate developed security skills, right? I think, you know, we run across what I'll describe as that point and click admin, Regularly, you know, somebody who is familiar with the interface of a firewall and calls themselves a security professional, I think it's very different different than somebody who's, you know, a seasoned practitioner. So, you know, if I were generalizing that, I feel like the the support for companies to hire people or companies to find external sources to provide security capabilities, it, it's going to be super challenging going forward. And and certainly not to demean the folks who are trying their best. It's just that the reality is that there's a huge drought in seasoned security professionals. That means, correspondingly, there is a drought in those who can mentor others that might be on staff at organizations. It, it, this is an industry which is, or in a field, which is really new. I mean, yes, it's 30, 40 years old in some corners, but the truth is that most most people with skill sets in computing really have thought about security in the last decade, maybe 15 years if we're lucky. That means that those in senior levels are rare, right. they're highly paid, and they're very mobile because they can command a high salary. Organizations are not ready to meet the actual expectations of that subset of IT staff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong about this or not, but I feel like the, it's pretty much about the same amount of security professionals that are out there as, you know, as time goes on, you get more and more people that are interested in it. But the, it's the rate, right? I we're just not churning out enough security right. professionals to deal with all of the the, the socks that need to be implemented now. Uh, I, I mean, notoriously, a sock analyst is a burnout job, right? The, the industry certainly trying to fix that, but that's it's slower than we can manage. Right? Yeah, and, and I think you know the the challenge is is the is that the baseline competency of some of the some of the folks. I think there's a lot of people who are, and you use the word analyst is what I, I want to refer to. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are really equipped at saying, my tool, and tools have gotten significantly better, right? The, the information coming out of the tools is great. Uh, my tool told me there's a problem. I'm going to tell somebody else that my tool told me there's a problem. Right. And sure, but I think when you, if you want, if I want an analyst, it's somebody who can say, I've been able to now look at multiple sources of information and understand your know, real work, real risk versus perceived risk, uh, and translate that to the business side of things. And that is such a difficult skill to acquire, and I think really requires a, a unique individual to have that. And to pivot off of that statement, that sort of 
paints a picture about the actual gap that most organizations face because they have security infrastructure, right? No but question. it was deployed by folks who are supporting desktops, people who understand the network, not necessarily individuals with a comprehensive view of how to wire that together to understand data across multiple areas of the organization. And the tool tells them something. But that individual or the, the group of people who might be collaboratively monitoring it don't really know how to interpret it together. Therefore, they're almost in a similar position as if they didn't have that tool to begin with. Right. That That's the main gap. It, it's the ability to make sense of the data because, frankly, we're all behind the eight ball as defenders of organizations. Attacks move faster than everyone collectively in the industry is able to actually manage. That That's just more keenly felt by those who are being attacked. And and, and I want to be careful. So uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with somebody whose skill set is taking the data that comes from a tool because, quite frankly – you know, a lot of organizations That's don't even have that process. person, right? I, I mean, you need somebody who can look at your firewalls and look at uh, you know, what, what other, what, whatever other tools you have in your infrastructure and say, I'm, there is something that's going on that I need to look at a little more deeply, right? Um, but that skill to truly analyze it, uh, is, it, it, in certain ways, in my opinion, is undervalued, but so critical. So do you, do you think it gets better or worse this year? I think it gets worse. I think it gets worse. And correspondingly, the reason for that is that you know, unable to fill positions – organizations shift towards services. And that's not a problem. We provide those services. that They can be quite successful. It's just that at the moment, there's a substantial change in the security provider market. And yeah. the number of providers is dwindling because of mergers and acquisitions and alterations in business process and structure. Yeah. So I'd say last year, there was just a, a flood of you know, private money, public money that went into creating cybersecurity businesses, right? Um, a lot of them didn't work. Some of them did. Uh, the, but the ones that did, there there were there was a large number. And we've got this, I guess, sprawl of point solutions now. Um, we're going to see consolidation in that. We saw it with networking, right? So the, um, the brocades of the world and things like that, they got consolidated into, you know, HP and Ruckus and all that. Um we saw it with MSPs, right? So you, you saw the um, the private firms taking a lot of those in to be conglomerates almost, right? right? Um, Security's next, right? So a bunch bunch of money went in. Now it's time to consolidate. And the the people who put that money out there, they, they want that money back now, right? <laughs> so so you know the way we expect that to be seen is that the vendors with whom organizations are you have developed a relationship are likely to shift. They will be working with people who are new to them who may not quite understand the business. That that shift in um, participants is going to feel somewhat painful. There will need to be a relearning required. And, uh, you know, there's a cost to that as well. I, I think that similar to the uh, drought in security staff, the, the substantial change in security providers will actually cause some degree of uh, grief. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say the, the takeaway there would be, you know, be nimble next year with the products that you have. Um, make sure your processes are good to actually pull, pull a solution out and put a new one in. Right. Because if there is consolidation, you're going to, you're going to have to deal with that. And evaluate your vendors. I mean, we always advise rotating vendors in general. You want different perspectives. It helps keep people efficient and nimble, but uh, plan for it. 
Yeah, a- ask about the business a little bit. It's okay to dive in and ask them some hard questions about how are they funded, you know? Uh, get some confidence in are these guys going to be around in two years, three years, if you're you're buying a product for that long because like they're gonna they're gonna want to sign you on for that long. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Everybody wants multi-year <laughs> contracts, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, and we're seeing it, right? That as always, there's a lot of competition in the security space. People right. buying for business, and you see a lot of similar products out there. So longevity is going to be important um, because you want to make sure you have something that you can rely on that you can train your staff on uh, and and really get that value out of. Um, the uh, you know I think we're maybe optimistic still that we'll continue to see a an improvement in security maturity over the next year right so you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of a, a challenge right a little antithetical to the security skills issue but you know there there are reasons why companies now are incentivized to move forward on more formal security programs and adhering to standards uh, we talked a little bit about cyber liability insurance sort of driving changes in the market a little bit um, I do think 2022 is going to show increased sort of an increased awareness on how do you build a mature and sustainable security program uh, in alignment with standards. And, and I think we'll see that. And, and I'm optimistic that we'll we'll actually get some you know iterative improvements just overall on that proactive side. Yeah, I, I think it'll be nice to actually see uh, a lot of this is the result of the security industry actually starting to work. Right. right. It, it, it's no longer these segmented communities that either make tools or have recommendations. It's now a lot of us are working together. Um, we have good solutions. It's iteratively getting better. And now with insurance companies and like you said, the, a lot of these compliance frameworks are actually starting to solidify and have good recommendations in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful. Yeah. And and you can't be everything to everybody. I mean, right. you know, we're, we're, I feel like we regularly have requests from clients for things that we just don't do on a daily basis, right? So I think part of it is maybe a little bit on that consolidation side. You, we, you know, we need partnerships. I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, companies to find good, qualified, and vetted partnerships out there to, to deliver sort of a cohesive solution to their clients, right? Without without necessarily having to be experts in everything. Uh, and I think we're mindful of it. I think the people we, we work with typically are that. But you know, th- there's a lot to this space. And understanding the business, understanding the risks and driving solutions that reduce all of that. Uh, I mean, they're really important. The most effective security professionals and security vendors will be those that are willing to say, I don't know, or to admit a gap in knowledge. The field moves too quickly. Attackers are developing techniques which are entirely unknown as of today. Right. They'll be new tomorrow. They were theorized 20 years ago. You know, it, it moves too quickly. Partners who are willing to talk in a real way are those that are worth pursuing and similar with the employees as well. Yeah. I mean, because I think that's, that's that collaborative approach, right? I mean, our, our job is to do the best that we can for our clients. And we're not doing that if we if we try to engage in work that we're frankly not that good at. And I think right. if people can recognize that and, and behave with that sense of sort of you know, honesty, integrity, authenticity, uh, we'll see a real improvement there, I, I think. Yeah. You, you can no longer kind of just flow along, right? I, I think <laughs> AV vendors are probably the ones that are guilty of this for so many years that you can't do that anymore. Right? I think we're going to 2022 will just be a, a re, another iteration of we're going to see what vendors uh, and what security groups out there, like actual people know what they're talking about or no. Right. Right. For sure. Um, so, you know, I think as, as always, 
we, we selected a few things that we think are going to be important. Uh, certainly, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm legitimately concerned about the the skills capability gap. I, I mean, I do think that that's going to get wider. I do think, you know, we're we're frankly promoting a lot of people in the industry who have sort of sort of fairly basic skills, but because they've been in it for a couple of years, they have this this feel of almost being senior. So I don't know that our mentors are always necessarily the best, just given the way this the industry is evolving so quickly. Um, I'm legitimately concerned about that. And I think that is going to continue. I, we can probably talk about the same thing in 2023, quite frankly. Uh, but I do I do envision talent being a real challenge this upcoming year. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure how to fix that yet. It's, it's a tough one. Yep. My, my biggest concerns um, are going to be attacks against key core infrastructure that you know, as we talked about in our last episode, uh, malicious entities have somewhat avoided, you know, the been off limits. Right. I think that that restraint may drop. Yep. And that will be the largest main impact that we feel. You know, if, if your 5G device is undermined in your vehicle and it stops on the side of the road, and we've talked about vehicle attacks before, you know, not exactly the biggest threat, but <laughs> but if 5G is undermined, you know, you don't know where you are and you can't use your phone to navigate and your car won't navigate, you know, it's it's a bad day for millions of people. So, you know, as always, uh, we, we selected some things that we thought you know, were important to us. Uh, you know, frankly, there's probably another 10 things that people could, could ask about or talk about. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you know, Vancourt Security on Twitter, uh, Vancourt at LinkedIn. You know, we're happy to continue the conversation. We're happy to have an upcoming episode on, you know, he, he, here's what everybody thinks we missed uh, when we came up with our list of, you know, four or five items here. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us. But hopefully this gets you thinking a little bit. Um, hopefully it's not too bleak a picture because I think there's probably some positives as well. Uh, and as always, we hope you got some value out of this episode and uh, look forward to having you listen to future ones. Thanks, everybody. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound.